Welcome to the So Powerful Podcast. This is your host, Jan Cancilla. You know the sound of my sewing machine means it's time for another episode. So let's get started. Hello, So Powerful Podcast listeners. Today, I am going to introduce you to Jill Reif. Jill is a So Powerful volunteer who has made lots of purses for So Powerful over the years. And this year, for the first time ever, she was a volunteer at a quilt show when she went to QuiltCon in February of this year. So sit back, get comfortable. We're going to get to know Jill Reif. Jill, how are you today? I'm great. Well, good. It's good to talk with you. Where are you? Where are we talking to you from? I live in Savage, Minnesota. It's a southwest suburb of Minneapolis. Okay. And where did you grow up? Sort of give us the geography background here. I grew up on a farm in South Central South Dakota. My dad farmed. He was also a postal carrier. And my mother was English war bride. My parents were married in England at the end of World War II. And then they came and made the farm there. And so on the farm, I had two sisters and a brother. We were pretty self-sufficient. And that's where I learned to sew. My mother was a seamstress. She joined the Women's Land Army when she was in England at 16 years of age. And so that's where she learned a lot of her domestic skills. Mm -hmm. She grew up in an orphanage, never knew her parents. As with many young women back at that period of time, learned a lot of domestic skills. The men were off to war and the women were put to work with many different aspects of gardening, working with animals, they worked with heavy machinery, sewing, lots of things. And the interesting thing was she said they never wasted thread, basting thread. They saved every piece of thread. They were issued one set of clothing a year. They had to mend anything that wore out. If their shoes or socks had holes in them, they had to fix them, mend them. That's all they got. Anyway, so she made quilts and my sister and I, she was a year older than me. We had a little sewing machine that clamped onto the kitchen table and we used mom's scraps and we were making doll clothes. I was four years old. And what was this a hand crank thing? Yes, it was. I had, I had one of those. Yeah. My mother still has it. It's still in the original box. My mother's still living. She's 95 years old and oh. she still has that little sewing machine. Yeah. So I don't remember ever not sewing. Mm -hmm. And just over the years, I grew up doing that. We, we were in 4-H and so Sewing has been a love that I've retained down through the years. When you were growing up, what kind of items did you sew? Quilting and clothing, I presume? Clothing primarily. Yeah. Well, and I sewed my clothes too when I was growing up because if I wanted a new outfit, there wasn't money to buy a new outfit. It was, you know, go see what we have in the fabric bin and make something. Yeah. So as an adult, you took up quilting, is that correct? I didn't take up quilting until I actually retired from full-time work. I was in my 50s. Oh, my goodness. Well, now tell us a little bit about your career. What did you do? What was your career? Basically, I was a stay-at-home mom until all of my kids were in school. And then my husband and I together owned and operated a skilled nursing facility. He was a nursing administrator. And I worked as the social worker slash admission coordinator. And that's pretty much what we did for our career. 
And was that in South Dakota? That was in North Dakota. Moved to North Dakota in 1982 and uh, bought the business. And yeah, that's where we basically raised our family. Jill, in Facebook, I saw a post that you said, I'm back. I haven't been making purses for a couple of years. Would you share with us why that is? What's been going on for you for the last couple of years? Well, after we retired, we did sell the business. We contemplated our next step in life. We enjoyed traveling a bit and we did spend some of the cold months in Southern climes. And then we finally decided to move to Minnesota to be closer to three of our four kids, grandkids. So we made the move in 2018. A year later, he had a very unexpected brain bleed, a stroke, and he lived 15 days. And so I spent the next year with paperwork, kind of weighed through the next step in my life and trying to figure out just day-to-day, lots of us, a blur. Mm-hmm. I had good church support, some amazing friends that we had already made. Oh, I should also mention that my husband had a dual career. He had 33 years in the Army National Guard. And so that was also a very significant part of our life to the military. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you know, just needed time to work through that. But work for my faith in God, I just probably wouldn't have made it through there. But I don't think I touched my sewing machine hardly at all that next year. A number of years ago, we made a trip to South Africa, visited a couple of areas of poverty. And I really get it to see the most distressing poverty that there possibly can be on this earth. You just can't get it out of your mind. And it's just a part of me that, you know, just is there. And I've had a a chance to participate in some volunteer opportunities just to give. And that's just part of, part of what I enjoy is being able to give back of the talent I have that has to do with sewing. I love to sew. And so I eventually started seeing some of these purses on the So Powerful page. They were getting more creative and I have a stash of fabric like we all do. He who has the most fabric wins and, (laughs) but I'm only in second place. So now I'm just starting to dig through and make use of what I have. And I I have quilt shop fabric, the really nice stuff. And I'm just thinking, you know, this will make a beautiful purse. And I do a little machine embroidery along with it. And so I incorporate some of the designs and yeah. I'm just really in a good place right now. I'm, I'm happy that I can do this. So you do machine embroidery. Have you used any of the patterns that Peggy Creighton has developed for So Powerful? I have downloaded, I think all of them, her design. But yes, I downloaded them all and I'm, I'm going to be doing them. Well, that's great. Well, and I know that, that besides machine embroidery, you like to do the machine embroidery applique. And so the G is for giraffe is the latest one. And it's just so cute and, and fun to do. So yes, we'll be looking for some pictures of, uh, okay. of those, those purses from you. Well, and you know, a while ago, I saw that you posted a tip about how you do your box corners. Can you describe that? Well, I find that it's a little bit difficult for me to mark and cut out that three quarter inch 
box corner either beforehand or to stitch up to it. So I cut out a bunch of little three quarter inch templates out of freezer paper. And so I just iron them onto the corner, that bottom corner on either side. And then I stitch down and I can back stitch when I get to the freezer paper template. And then I go the other way across the bottom and back stitch. And then when I get it stitch all the way around, then I cut around that three quarter inch template and then I peel it off. I don't peel it off until I cut it out. And for me, it saves a lot of time with matching up that box corner. And then when I do the bag front with that front pocket, I do the same thing. And I base the pocket to the purse front. So they're essentially all one piece. They're not slipping and sliding around. You don't have like three layers. You only have, again, two layers because they're basted. And so then that works really good. The other thing I do too is I have all of my so powerful purse patterns on a freezer plate template. I've done that for a long time. I have them all on freezer paper and I just iron them onto my fabric and I can cut out three or four at one time. And the straight pieces I use a rotary cutter, but then I don't have to pin. I just cut them out and I peel off the freezer paper and I'll reuse it. For me, it saves a lot of time. Use a fabric marker and then um, mm -hmm. I probably reuse the pattern 12 or 15 times. Wow. And, and you're cutting multiples at a time. So, I mean, yeah. you, you might yeah. be able to cut out yeah. 36, 48 purses after you've made that one set. Well, that, that's yeah. a great tip yeah. that I never have thought of and I've never heard anybody else doing that until yeah. our listeners hear about it on the podcast. So that's fantastic. You know, until recently, I think you may have held the record for the most number of purses that fit in one of those game board boxes when you had 36 in recently, but unfortunately your record has been broken. Um, I wish I knew who it was, but somebody was able to fit 42 in, in the last So Powerful Live. I saw a box held up with 42, which I think they are the record holders. So that's fantastic. Now, when you make multiple purses, after you get them all cut out with this great tip of using freezer paper, how do you like to assemble them? What is your technique for that? Well, I do the assembly line. I might do four or five purses in the same color. I might top stitch maybe in a different color, just so they stand out a little bit different from the other. But if I do assembly line, you know, I might just do all the flaps. And I like the, the iron-on interfacing. I have all of my interfacings cut for the various pieces. And so I'll, you know, iron on all my interfacings and then I'll sew the flaps together and turn them inside out and I'll do all the pressing and then I'll do all the top stitching and I'll set those all aside. And then I might sew the facings to all the front pockets that big front pocket and do the top stitching on those or if I'm gonna embellish it or do some rickrack or something like that. Yeah, I just do them step by step by step and then set them aside. And right now I have 36 purses. The linings are all cut. The pockets are all finished and it's just a matter of finishing the linings so I can get them into the purse and finish them off. So that's, that's my assembly line. It's just how I do it. That's great. You know, some people like doing it that way and some people <laughs> intensely dislike doing it that way. So that's always interesting to find out how people assemble their purse. Mm -hmm. Now, Jill, your picture was all over Facebook a couple of weeks ago because 
you volunteered to work in the booth at QuiltCon Phoenix. And this is so interesting to me because honestly, I didn't know where you lived and I just assumed you were local to Phoenix, but no, we know it from the beginning of this conversation, you live in Minnesota, but sort of tell us what happened, how you decided to go to Phoenix. Well, I was down in Southern Missouri, staying with my family down there, helping out with some family things. And I saw that Betty Johnson, I didn't know who Betty Johnson was, but she posted, help. I need some volunteers for QuiltCon so powerful in Phoenix. And I called her and I said, I'm interested in helping. I live in Minnesota, but I would be interested in helping. And so anyway, we connected and I just thought I can do this. I mm-hmm. was going to go back home to Minnesota and I did I make arrangements to, to fly down, get lodging, rent a car, all of that. And um, so, yeah, that's how... That's how it all came about. It was just a chance to, to go and to do and see firsthand how the whole vendor aspect of the So Powerful worked. Well, and you know, you shared with me that making the travel arrangements was something that your husband had always done when you had gone on yes. trips before. Yes. And this time you did all that. How was that? Well, it went together okay. I'm familiar enough with Phoenix as far as where different places are, but I'm really pretty good with using my navigator on my phone and my Google Maps. And so long as I have that, I'm usually pretty good. Yeah, I just thought I could do this. And I had my church sisters praying for me before I went. And I said, I want to do this. Just pray for me that I, you know, meet my time, my schedules. So some of my friends said, you know, they were kind of jealous that I went to Arizona. I have to tell you, I was at a salon getting my nails done before I went. And I was talking to a woman that was sitting next to me getting her nails done. We just struck up a conversation. That was here in Minnesota. And she said, why are you going to Arizona? And I told her about So Powerful. Mm-hmm. And her daughter is a senior in high school. And she, she was sitting behind me. She, she got her daughter. She says, I want you to hear about this. And so... I have her contact information and I'm hoping maybe I can follow up with her a little bit more about it. So, you know, you just never know who you're going to run into along the way. Well, that's great. So you made contact with Betty and so then you did go to QuiltCon and volunteered in the booth. What's it like to work in the booth? What were your duties? What did you do? Well, um, I wasn't able to do the Zoom pre-training with her, but she emailed everything out. So we kind of had an outline before we went as what was to be expected. Mm -hmm. And so the booth was set up. I went in on the Thursday. That was the first day that the show was open. Uh, They had done some setting up on Wednesday. And we worked two-hour shifts. And Jason and Cinnamon were there. Um, We had these five-by-seven so powerful brochures that we were handing out to the various people that attended the QuiltCon show. And and of course, the captured audience was quilters. The booth had a display of, was it 106 purses, I think, Mm -hmm. very nicely displayed. And um, there were some items for donations for webbing, Jason's book. And so as... The show participants would walk by, 
we would just stand by the booth and ask them, would you like to have a free perch pattern? And, you know, the word free kind of like, yeah, everybody likes free things. And so we would hand them the brochure and, and you know, that would, that would bring them in. And then we were able to tell them that just a real brief in a nutshell, what so powerful was the purpose of it, hygiene project. And then they could come into the booth. We'd invite them into the booth. They could look at the purses hanging on the booth wall. And then we also had on display the reusable menstrual pads that went into the purse. And so they could see, you know, what the seamstresses in, in Osaka were making there. And it was also nice to point out that on the brochure that we were handing them, there's a picture of a girl wearing this dark blue sweater. And those sweaters were knitted by the seamstresses in Osaka. So it was nice to be able to tell them that they have these new industrial juki machines that they use. So they have good equipment and, you know, it empowers them to make for themselves, you know, take pride in what they make and they have good equipment to make it. So it sounds like you had a lot of fun doing it. Is that true? It was fun. Yeah. And, was. and you got to meet people that you never would have met otherwise in person because you all, all traveled to Phoenix as the destination. So that was great. So Jill, you've been making purses for So Powerful since 2018, according to your Facebook posts. What appeals to you about the ministry? And if somebody's listening to this and they haven't decided to take that first step to make a purse, I want them to hear what appeals to you as maybe an inspiration for them to get started. I guess for me is I enjoy sewing. I enjoy color. I, I like the idea that I can give without having to receive anything in return. I like the idea that this is a gift to a young girl or maybe even you know a mother and adult that it might be the only thing in her entire life that she will have that's her own. That one gift, that one treasure, that might be the only, only tangible thing they have that's theirs. For me, I, I just, I can't imagine what that must mean to them. And if somebody else could be a part of that and just realize that you could be part of that giving, even if it's just one purse, if you make one and you never make another, but just make one and give it out of love, out of, out of compassion, that's what it's all about. Beautifully said, Jill. Well, I want to thank you for your time today and hearing your very inspirational story and I know you went through a very difficult time the last couple of years and you have come out of it very strong and very inspirational. And so somebody who's thinking of getting started or somebody who is alone, but wants to find the sisterhood that we all share here and so powerful, I think you've made a very compelling argument for joining us. So thank you very much and I appreciate your time. Thank you, Jan, for having me. You're Thank welcome. You. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If what you've heard today inspires you to want to make a difference, I urge you to explore the So Powerful website at www.sopowerful.org. That's S-E-W-P-O-W-E-R-F-U-L dot O-R-G. 
The website has great information about the organization. It's where you can download the free purse patterns or even make a donation. We hope you will join us again next week when we bring you another so powerful story. Thanks for listening. Now go out and have a so powerful day.